Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. The out of the port goal. Lysette got rid of Grundy. Ham passed away. Mon sold the dummy once and twice. Got around. Snapped on the left. Gave it a great sight. A splendid goal from Carl Amon. Toughest spot for a right footer. Up against the line from the pocket. I tell you what, he's made great fist at the kick. It's a goal. And Charlie loves it. Sets the pies inside 50. Cameron has the fly and the vice-like grip to take them up. Hits it with the right foot drop punts. He gave it a good look. And the pies are coming hard. Now Charlie gives it all he's got. It's quite the roost and it clears the line for a goal. Port Adelaide get what they came for. They defend fourth place on the ladder and they celebrate Travis Boat's 300th game with victory. 28 point winners, the power over the pies. Yeah, like I, look, we're really pleased with the win. We're really pleased with the result. You know, it's, a, it's been a um, you know bit go on this week for us as a footy club and everyone in, in the competition. But we've had you know some bits this week distractions that have, have caused us some um, you know not perfect preparation. And Trav's game was an absolute great milestone, and it's, you know more than pleased that we we're able to uh, put that all together in this week and, and make sure that he came off a winner on uh, his 300th game, which was you know, an outstanding result for him as a player. But for us as a team, equally is important for us for where we sit this year. Port Adelaide overcome the obstacles and a plucky young Magpies outfit to tighten their grip on a place in the top four. The long-term question hasn't altered. Can Ken Hinckley's men muscle their way into premiership contention? I'm told that during that meeting, it became clear that Sam Mitchell would rather have clean air to have a fresh start next year without Alistair Clarkson by his side. That is absolutely incorrect. I've never said that. I've consistently said I want Alistair there. Very, very natural meeting. Not a mediation meeting. A meeting, as I said, (laughs) that's been planned to work out what their responsibilities are going to be over the next, what, 18 months. No one is allowed to talk about the fact that he might not be coached next year because there's a million-dollar contract up for grabs. Yes? Okay. So, until that is formally worked out between all parties, he's going to be coaching next year. I am sitting here telling you he won't be. Simple as that. He won't be. Sam, have you suggested you want to be Hawthorne coach next year and would prefer Alistair Clarkson not be at the Hawks? Absolutely not. That has not happened. So is it your absolute desire to work in concert with Alistair next year? Absolutely. 100%. It's perhaps a, a little bit disappointing that it's had to transpire the way that it has because, you know, we've got the really unfortunate circumstance where Sam Mitchell, um, who's going to be the next coach of this football club, um, it should be a really exciting period for both he and us as the club. And even for me, who, despite transitioning out of being a senior coach of the club, I couldn't be more delighted in the sense that another uh, another product of, of our footy club is going to be senior coach. Hawthorne's coaching succession plan put to the blowtorch before Alastair Clarkson commits himself absolutely to Sam Mitchell and the Hawks through to the end of next season.
Well, we'd like to be able to get our families up a lot later this week, but um, you know, the, the, the situations that they're finding themselves and how they quarantine are, are changing a bit as well. So yep. I'm actually just trying to sort through the information myself. I mean, uh, it depends on, on what you determine as hard. It's, it's pretty solid, yep. uh, if that's what it means. So um, you know, whether that impacts the ability of players to come, uh, players' families to come on or we're not sure just yet. We'll just have to work through it. Ryan became aware of, in the updating of exposure sites that goes on every 24 hours, that he'd been at a Tier 1 exposure site last week. So he now needs to isolate for 14 days, which means he'll be unavailable for this weekend's game against West Coast. As far as we're aware, it will be in Melbourne. And there's challenges around us coming back into Adelaide. We don't we don't want to put uh, the community at risk. And I believe at this point we'd have a 14-day isolation or quarantine period, so that would be quite a challenge. We've probably got to contract the MCG, Neil. I'm not being unrealistic. We've got, we're weeks away, and until the point where we can't do that, that's where it'll be. OK, so you're locked into the MCG at the moment. With or with it, would oh, you? Yeah, we, we are, and, and, it says, and as last year showed, if we couldn't play there with a decent crowd, then you know, we'd, we'd review it. And the complications grow by the day to keep the season on course with the country in various stages of lockdown. As the AFL plots the next move, the question of where to play the grand final has come into play. This is the round 19 edition of Crunch Time. Naomi Osaka has lit the flame. Competition in Tokyo is underway. Australia and Japan 2-2 in the hockey in the second period. Port Adelaide 28-point winners last night. And there are games climbing all over each other this Saturday on the AFL schedule. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Justin Lepich is with me. Hello, Lepa. Good morning. What would you make of last night? <laughs> Short, was strong, wasn't it? Um, it was a very difficult one, wasn't it? You, you, you walk away through Collingwood supporter very happy, I think. Um, the fact that you saw some really exciting ball movement. There's some passages of play where there was actually two possessions from the full-back line to the full-forward line, which isn't something we haven't seen from Collingwood before. There was moments where they held the footy, so that was good. And then if you're Port supporter, you won the game, so that's good. But then you go, well, was it enough? Was it enough against that opposition to say, yeah, you know, we were a top-four team? I... I thought they should have probably won by 40-plus if I just looked at the two teams on paper. Um, but given the way Pollingwood played, they were very good. So you can only play the opposition on the night, and they weren't a dispirited team that are a bottom-six team. So they were better than that. So it probably deserves a closer game. But, yeah, you'd like to just be a bit more solid, aren't you, if you're a port, uh, supporter? Nick Del Santo, welcome. A very good morning. I'll give you a little bit more of an introduction than what uh, <laughs> Leopard did just said. It is lovely to be here, and clearly, I mean, even when you're doing that introduction again, Jared, you think, oh my gosh, there is so much going on, and how are we all going to get through it? But we'll try and work through it, and particularly today. So just quickly on last night, and it's funny when you walk away from a game of football, or you've just watched a game of footy, the team that wins... You're not quite sure about them. Yet the team that loses, go, oh, I can see where they're going and everything's going to be okay. Pies have had nine debutants this season and they had two more last night. So they're, they're a growing list. And, and I was actually really pleased with their style of football, Leper. You know, even off the back of what has been a really difficult 12 months, but in particular since it's been handed over to Rob Harvey. So I'm seeing these signs that I really like with their ball movement, with the way they're setting up behind the football. And from Port, and we'll discuss them in a lot of depth today, I got more of an understanding about how hard their week has been Yeah. when you hear the coach speak post-game, that he was almost just happy with the victory. You know, the, I think it was Tuesday, going to the airport, coming back from the airport. No, we are going to the airport and they're staying up late and they've got the injuries and all those things. I think I got a better understanding of how hard the week has been by the way that Ken Hinckley spoke post-game. But 28-point victory, it's enough with a lot of room to improve and they have to. 
Sam Edmund completes our quartet for crunch time today. Sammy, welcome. Morning, Jared, Dell, Lepper. Great to be here. Great to be at Marvel Stadium. I'm taken by the milestones this weekend. What a what a feast we've got. We had Travis Spokes around with last night, of course. David Mundy's going to knock 350 out. Sean Higgins, 250. Ed Kerno 200. We've got three players playing 150 games and a couple playing their 100th game this weekend as well. We won't bang on about it all, all day, but it's just a great shame we couldn't get Chicky Boke into the commentary box. Tried to do the right thing. Everyone... Uh, um, that flies the SEN flag. It would have been magnificent had it come to pass. Sadly, it couldn't. But uh, Travis Boke, what an effort last night. 300 games. It deserved more than it had in the, any 300-game milestone is true. But mm. you could easily picture that with the Port Faithful there at Adelaide Oval. And as he was chaired off at the end, is the most striking element is usually the applause of the players is swallowed up in the appreciation of the crowd. But you, it was like a golf gallery. You, you could hear <laughs> each one of the players in the... Um, in the Guard of Honour, applauding. Yeah. It was a bit of a shame. And there's so much happening. It's such a hectic phase we're in at the moment, off the field as much as on, of course. And the season is fascinating. And, and Port Adelaide just cementing that top four spot for now. But off the field as well, where do we go from here? There's so many hurdles ahead of us for round 20. Hopefully, by the time we leave you on Crunch Time today, we can put a framework, some scaffolding around what round 20 might look like. Because there's probably four to five games that are up in the air at the moment. And the Hawthorne discussion is not only one of, of a plan and a club, but it's actually of the modern media. Uh, it's been a, a revealing week. I'm still not entirely sure what to make of it all, but we'll spend plenty of time on that. The overriding question with Port, and it wasn't answered last night, and maybe it, it won't through the last four weeks of the season, are they in premiership contention? Dal, you I, go I, first. I'm still bullish on them, and I, I feel like there's more and more dropping off them based on the numbers and them losing to other teams that we could consider contenders for the premiership this year. But... This is what my eye sees, and you speak about what you see in regards to their their best 22 plus a sub. They've got a lot of pieces to the puzzle, Leper, in my opinion, that holds up in big games, that holds up in finals. And I think what has set them back, or what hasn't got them over the line in recent years, is in those dying moments of games about understanding the situation that ultimately their opposition has better than them, and getting over the line. I still like what they've got. I love their midfield. I love their inside bulls. And on grand final day, if they were fortunate enough to be there, the game's contested. I love what they've got off the half-back line. I think they're really sturdy in defence. And their forward line has a lot of upside. But I look at their list. They, they, they missed Motlop, Fantasia, Gray, Lockie Jones last night. And they've had a couple of other injuries and they won't come back. They get all them back. And I think they look completely different. They've got four games to go for this year. Yes, they need to improve. Yes, they could have quite possibly had a better win last night. But I'm not off them just yet. They, they sit in fourth spot, and there's a reason that they are there. Now, the knockers will say, but they've just beaten up on the teams that are outside the eight. I get that. But what I've seen to this point is okay to this point with a lot of upside lepper. Yeah, and there is. And I think with Port Adelaide, I think we all see they're a talented team. I don't, I don't think there's any question there'd be a person out there that think, oh, no, they don't even have the talent to get there. It, it's probably the question for me is the last two weeks of the season and what are they coming up against? And, and I'm still not 100, 100% convinced, and it's only based off his, history for me. I only look at what they've done. They haven't been able to beat the teams around them. In fact, they've looked a little rattled at times when they've been challenged by the big teams, so that, that's a concern for me. Uh, I, I'd love their dynamic game styling, which is awesome, but do they have a, a good controlled game styling where they're well organised in defence and they strangle opposition. I saw last night a bit of a ping-pong 
Um, and the only time it was controlled was probably by Collingwood by foot when they wanted to sort of control the tempo. So how many tempos do they have? They're, they're all the thing. As you climb the ladder, you, you sort of break every hurdle. Um, I never got past the one of getting off the bottom to the middle. But, you know, that, that's the first <laughs> bit. Um, then you sort of get to the middle and try to get to where Port and Brisbane are now. And now where Port and Brisbane are, it's like, okay, what's the bit now to get to beat the last three teams and you've got to have a multifaceted game style. You might have two or three modes of offence and maybe two or three modes of defence that is so subtle that even the, the, those watching the game can't pick it up. So I just wonder if they have that or are they, uh, no, we've got these big guns and we're just going to blast you out of the stadium because our big guns are good enough. And then when they're all fired, what's left? I'm, mm. I'm a bit worried for that for them if they've got any other change-up. So a bit similar to the Lions. I think the Lions are similar on a different different um, tangent though but um, but they're the two things well the main thing I worry about with Port Adelaide with your experience both as the player and what your group did in the early 2000s but also as a coach how important is the last month of football in regards to building that momentum ultimately to go on and have a fantastic September and how hard is it to change that if you feel like Port haven't been clicking as they should to this point how do you flick that switch as a coach that's difficult. That really is. You do want that last month. The last month is your most important month to get all your personnel in order because you want a month to iron out any either form inconsistencies or injury inconsistencies or anything you've got. You want to be Cherry Rob coming into the, the last month. So everyone wants that. You don't always get that, unfortunately. But what you've got to look at with Port, they'll be sitting there asking themselves a the question. Okay. Last season, we were one goal, six points off a grand final against probably one of the best teams of the modern era. Was that our maximum mm. or was that or was that just, you know, we had everything going our way to get on our home venue, to get our home crowd in a COVID year to get one goal away? Is that the t- top end or is that, oh, no, we've got more left? They, they have to answer that question, not just with their personnel, but with their game styling as well because you can get seduced by a result and think, well, Maybe we do have to change some things to go a step further. I don't know. Ken Hinkley needs to know that. But that's where those audits need to keep happening. They're a, they're a fascinating study forward of the ball. Like, they're the mm. land of the giants. Yeah. Is, so, four goals, three for Dixon, three goals for Marshall, two goals for Laddams and Georgiades is down there all night. And there are moments in their forward 50 where all four of them mm. are on patrol. Is Jared Healy called it last night, kick it long to snake? Is There were elements of trying to use that height. So that's round 19 against a, a lower-ranked team. What does it look like on preliminary final night? That's right. They had a, a debutant uh, Irishman that hasn't probably played the game that long as one of those guys, uh, you know, that's that's on one of those keepers. And he actually not been okay then. But, um, but you're right. So they're, they're one of the things that if you do you need to have a change-up? Do you go, okay, this particular game we have four tools, we change up the next one? Or we might think that um, maybe Laddams will come up, we'll double ruck at times, and we'll do something completely, and then leave, I don't know, Georgiades on the back on his own. or how they, All those sorts of things are the difference, I think, between getting from four to one, all those subtle changes. We've even seen at the other end, Jared, where their key backs, like Cleary, come out of the team because the week before they decide to put Alira Alira as a second ruck and mm. then play him half back. And so they're uncertain a bit at that end of the field. So I still think there's some things they're working out, I think, internally as uh, well. Even within that, so say they are going to go the four tall forward options. Yep. It's where they position within that as well and where you want, for example, Charlie Dixon to be having his biggest influence. So not only is it hey, a structural thing by saying, hey, we're going to have four talls, two smalls, for example, opposed to a 3-3 structure. 
It's where they position themselves on the ground, which can highly influence your ball movement. If you've got four tools, that's probably giving you more opportunity to get one up to the centre wing to be that release kick, a long front and centre sort of style kick out of the half-back line. How do they utilise that? And will they have enough time, if they are to go with this structure, to get that system in place come September? Yeah, I guess um, the taller, this is by general rule, this is 100%, the taller the player you are, so let's say Mason, Mason Cox for an example, and we'll go the other end, we'll go Liam Baker down the other end. <laughs> so you play six Mason Coxes, you're saying we're going to be trying to mark the ball and yep. we're going to be completely unathletic at ground level. And if you play six Liam Bakers, you're saying, well, we're just going to try and dribble the ball in and hope that all this ground level work's just going to mesmerise and we're going to use our agility, our speed and our change of direction and just kick ground level goals. So there's, there's your options always. So if you play four really, really, really tall guys, there's the odd guy at 200 that can be amazingly athletic, like Cox for Essendon. Like you, you look at him and think, well, there's a tall wingman at that height, but that's very rare. So they're the bits, I think, for Port they've got to keep thinking about, you know, with their, with their setup. And to go back to it, Motlop, Fantasia and Grey aren't playing. That's right. And didn't play last night. So I... If I'm Ken Hinckley and I've got a full list to pick from, I'm not playing four talls when I know I've got this ability at ground level and you throw in the three young kids that are... Who just came in. Yeah, that have just come back in. They've got to be in the mix there somewhere. You can't have four talls and say, sorry, we're only going to play two out of these remaining six smalls. Have we seen the last of Scott Pendlebury for 2021, Sam, you think? He went the early diagnosis (laughs) on the ABC. He said, no, there's a fracture in there. I suspect there is. I've had one before. In fact, he's had two before. 09 qualifying final, and he cracked, had a crack in his leg and missed six weeks in 2012. He said the pain was very similar. The muscle tension around uh, the the bone in question was tight. So he's gone the early diagnosis. He'll be scanned, obviously, today, and we'll, we'll learn about it pretty soon. But, gee, they were looking good when he was in there, and he was typically industrious. He was subbed out at quarter time, of course for Mason Cox, the medical sub, which we might not have seen a medical sub of his kind before. So it's a shame, uh, hopefully not, to answer your question, Jared, but uh, he's gone the early diagnosis, so it doesn't look well, good. Well, the docs don't like that when the player I goes. I don't think the, the coach the likes it it's not. I mean, we do it often in this show at times, like to go, oh, I think it's probably a syndesmosis or something. It's rare something. for the player to... It's rare for the player to come yeah. out early. But, but it's funny, you do know, when you've ever had a... I did a hamstring three times in one year. You just know straight away exactly what it is when it's that repeat injury. So it wouldn't surprise me if it is that. Well, I don't think Rob Harvey knew post-game when he did his press conference. <laughs> he said, oh, it's a little bit early. We'll have to get it scanned, yeah. unaware that Scott Penner had said himself <laughs> prior, I think I've broken my leg here. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I know it's a significant in- injury if that is the case. The timing of it's not the end of the world in regards no. to having a month left of football and where the group's at as a whole. It's not like the season is I think if you're gone on the couch, off the back of that injury. You're on the couch last night watching Collingwood as a Collingwood supporter. You're not completely disheartened. They, they won last night in the way they can win for the rest of the year, and that is their young brigade, their next generation, show enough. So Finley McRae was much better last night. Um, forward of the ball, um, they look better as well. We Polter. saw Ollie oh, Henry. I like Polter, the way he's going to build and grow in that sort yeah. of running role. And Ollie Henry just seems to yeah. find mm. he's got a knack like of getting it. himself into those little pockets and finding himself in the right space as well. So just the style with which they played, is that classic interim coach style? Yeah. Take the aggressive kick and we'll wear the turnover. And they they have their moments of triumph and their moments of failure on the back of that same coin. Um, But once you're in the job permanently, you actually can't play like that. Yeah, it's, it's probably a good call because, yeah, I, I mean, Robert Harvey's got nothing to lose. He wants to appease everybody, the fans, the board, the whole lot. So if you're a Collingwood supporting, and this is good to watch. This is exciting to watch. Geez, we're making some mistakes. Mm. But we've got some kids that are making their own decisions. And But at times, you, 
a, it's a great challenge as a coach. What decisions do you give the player and what decisions do you have to make for them in the coaching box? And you're right, Jared. When it's at this phase, we'll give you all the decisions. We're young. You've come out of the underrated. Oh, give every, but as every decision gets taken away from you, as the game plan gets tighter, that's when players or certain players can tighten up. The unstructured ones can tighten up a little bit. People will be watching that game last night and asking the question, why can't we play like this forever? Why is there such a leniency and a confidence in the group to have this run, as you're saying that Rob Harvey is currently doing, that can't go forward for, for a long period of time? Say Rob Harvey gets the job. Why doesn't this game style have a possibility of even being implemented if he was the full-time coach? Well, probably... Is it too hit and miss? What's, what's uh... the, the, the reasoning behind it? Because it looks great. They're getting some okay results. Yeah. Why can't that style be their style forever? Well, it, it can, but... Like everything, everything needs to be tempered because what will end up happening is we'll start this game style, even if it's you're not even sure what all the results are going to be of what you're doing. You go, okay, this is really good, but ooh, we've just given away six goals from the centre-back area from kicking. Okay, what can we restrict? Go back to the vision. Ooh, it's this player and he's not really seeing the options. Oh, let's tell him now to reduce some of his decision like oh and then he you know and then things start to adopt and change a little bit and then you you know and and that's when things start to tighten up a little bit because everything to play the which every coach is trying to do get you to play the perfect game something has to be taken away a little bit to restrict scoring and that's that's when a player has to understand it's not about you as the player it's about what we need to do to make sure we restrict at the other end and that's when things tighten up a little so um hence why that that happens i think we're going to touch base with port adelaide in a moment ryan burton around what the week did look like and then honouring Travis Boak and then we'll get into our Hawthorne discussion which has dominated so much of the talk throughout the week. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster, Jared, delicious crunchy new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants because the rooster's calling. It's time for Red Rooster. Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. New Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray and Jared Waitley ahead of the Saturday of round 19, which has games climbing all over each other. We have come to the desolate environment of Marvel Stadium where Carlton and North Melbourne will meet and then a little later on, uh, Adelaide and Hawthorne will meet. We met at the gates. You know, which game are you here for? We, one of them is actually after 7 o'clock tonight, so we're probably coming to the early. Well, the lady said, are you here for the double header? I was like, I didn't even know there was two games on in the one venue. I said, I've just, there's been that much going on. I haven't even checked the, the venue site for all these games. But, yeah, it'd be a long, long day if you were here for both games today. Lipper? Yeah, she was making sure I wasn't parking in the car park for too long. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That extra 15 bucks, I guess. It all goes to something. Because the... Um, there's the necessity, mm. and the necessity sort of overrides, even in the way each official and player talk, well, yes, the, all of this is going on, but the truth is, well, we just have to do what we're told, so we're, we fly to Melbourne, we spend the whole day in limbo, there's a three-hour period where Port Adelaide starts to prepare for the showdown on Tuesday, where oh. when they've gone home from the airport, the coaches start to turn their mind, okay, so we're playing... Adelaide's. We need to alter our program. For, oh, oh, no, you're going back to the airport. It's easy to step straight through all of that and go, oh, well, they're here. They hosted last night. Adelaide hosts tonight and, and not worry about um, all, the, all the disruptions, I suppose, that have to be absorbed in a very unnatural way. 
it is. And that's why you just applaud the players, don't you, to be able to get up. I, I still maintain they're enjoying this. They're just thinking this this is beyond ridiculous. <laughs> they're enjoying it. Oh, well, it gets a, it gets to a certain point where you, you probably get argumentative and go, why are we doing this? You know, they, they might be going through their own mind about what they think about COVID, what they think the decision should be, what the game should look like. We all do that. And they're going, oh, well, I guess we just have to do it. And then, and then there's ridiculous. And then you would be sitting there, we've just played a game of footy. We have to put a mask on and sing the song. But you watch them laugh now while they do it. They yeah. almost have fun putting the mask on and singing the song with their mask. They've almost seen the ridiculousness of it yeah. and embraced the stupidity. But that's, what it, that's what it's said to be about, isn't it? Didn't your old club, Richmond, went on a fair journey last year where it was said that, you know, oh, yeah, woe it. is me early. Yeah. Yeah. And then we embrace it and look what happens out the other side. Yeah, it is. And I think that's what's happening. Everyone's just sort of – at every now and again I do a look and go, that is stupid. That is ridiculous. It makes no sense. But you just kind of go, uh-huh. Like, I think everyone's kind of past the point of fighting, you to go? be honest. So preposterous. Do you do that? You just have to laugh. So Ryan Burton is part of this modern football experience, Port Adelaide defender. He's had a couple of excellent weeks too. Ryan, great to have you on Crunch Time. G'day, guys. How are you going? Uh, do you laugh at the preposterousness of it all, this, this COVID world? Oh, absolutely. Getting uh, sent to Melbourne every second week now and um, locked up here for a bit. And then, obviously, you just spoke about the, uh, the mask singing the song. It's, it's all a bit of fun at the moment. Are you at the point where you just have, you're just ready for anything? It sort of doesn't matter what they text you. Oh, well, fair enough. Away we go. Yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, that's what it's come to. Well, we were pretty good at it last year, just um, picking up and packing up and um, and going wherever we needed to. And and this year seems like exactly the same. So, the team's been pretty good in in just getting their stuff together and um, flying out with a couple of hours' notice now. So, um, full credit to all the boys. So, in that, Ryan, where does the do you make sure the sharp focus is on the the job at hand when when you arrive at at a desolate stadium last night? Um, yeah, it was it was a fair effort for the boys to to really switch on and, and get a gutsy win out there, especially after the week that we've had. Um, we got to train uh, at Marvel for for an hour um, the other night as well, which was really nice, and and that sort of just switched our focus back to the game from from all the whirlwind that happened during the week. So, um, yeah, really good for the boys to to just knuckle down and and remember that um, besides all the COVID stuff, we've got a job to do here. And um, I think it made it a little bit easier that we had someone to play for in, in Trav Boak um, for his 300. So the boys um, did a really good effort in that regard. Ryan, before we break down the game and get a little bit more detail about that two hours of football, as you walk away, and I heard Ken Hinckley speak post-game, it had the sense that because of such a difficult week, and we can ask you about the particular Tuesday where you're coming and going back and forth to the airport and who you're going to play, it just felt like Ken Hinckley and as a whole, you were just so glad that the week was over, you got the points, you get to go home and then reset. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we were hoping, obviously, to play um, in Adelaide and, and then we thought we were playing the Crows in Adelaide, so... Our mind really didn't switch to Collingwood until a few days before the game. So to get through this week, um, I think everyone's unscathed. So um, to get a win, and, and especially for Trav, um, yeah, it's just good to put this one behind us now. Off the back of the game, and maybe you've had this conversation in weeks gone by as well and possibly last year, that this group's sort of capable of anything, that you can get these random text messages on a Tuesday or you can have this phone call say, hey, pack your bags, you've got to meet at the airport in an hour or so, that you're actually capable of more than you thought mentally and then physically go out and execute on the weekend? Yeah, really impressed with how the boys have, have handled everything over the last two years, especially um, waking up at 4.30am to, to go and play a game of footy in another state. Um, last year was 
was pretty weird and um, a credit to the boys. I think we won all those games that we flew in and flew out. Um, and then we've taken it into this year again, flying, I guess, um, wherever we needed to and, and getting locked down wherever we needed to just to, just to play footy. And, and we're making sure we're trying to put them in um, those games in the wins now. Everyone, you would have heard a lot of the external noise and people bang on on the outside. Who can win a premiership? Who can't? And the one big thing when we talk about Port is the ability to beat the teams around you, around the top eight. Is that mentioned in, in, internally in the in the team or is it spoken about or things you have to adapt or change to get over the line against those better teams in the competition? No, not really. I think when we look at this year, when we play the top eight sides that we've lost to, we've we've had two or three really good quarters against them. And then just sort of shot ourselves in the foot um, with one quarter and, and ended up losing by a few goals. And it's disappointing, yeah, but um, I guess it's a great learning curve because we know we're going to have to run into some of those teams later on in the year. Um, so I guess we, we learn from those games and, and we do take a little bit out of the, the good stuff that we did as well. So I think the boys are just really looking forward to um, each week at a time at the moment, but just knowing that at the back end of the year, we're going to come up against some of those really good sides that we did um, get touched up early in the year, um, and we know we're going to be better for it. Do, do you think your defence is set? We've seen a few different adaptations in the last couple of weeks with Alir playing a little bit of ruck time, and last week, last night he was a little bit more stay-at-home, Cleary out of the team. Do, do you think that back part of the ground is now settled, or do you still think there's still some potential movement down there? Um, I, I reckon there's always um, room for movement. Um, we've got some outstanding players um, not playing in our back line. Um, Lena, Cleary, um, Frederick, there's there's some great players that are playing twos at the moment and um, we know that if they come into the side, they're going to play their role and they're going to play really well like they have over the last few weeks. And um, The credit to the boys, that the boy, there's a lot of boys that can play multiple positions like Houston and Bonner can go on the wing. Saw Darcy last week inside and Aaliyah in the ruck, so I'm not sure if we're 100% settled just because of, of all the moving pieces that happen in a game, um, but it's a really strong position for the club to be in. And, and I saw something last night. I've often seen the, the teams, and you've always got a board. I, mean, I think it was Michael Voss last night holding up the board. Normally it's with a minute to go or two minutes to go, but I saw a sign, I think it said 210. Like a speed limit. Like a speed what is, what is that? Can you give us any insight to what that was? Oh, I... Can't give you exactly what it means, but I can tell you. It's good then. There's not. We're not playing quicker or 210 kilometres an hour or anything like that. It's, it's got a little bit more to it. <laughs> Excellent. It's Love a bit of how much money intrigue. you're over Aussie or something. Else, I thought, <laughs> no, Michael. Uh, Ryan, you probably acknowledge that you need to improve from where you currently sit right now in regards to the way that you're playing these games to be better in September and then beat those teams. Have you identified those areas, even by yourself, that those particular, maybe it's a stat or a style of football that needs to improve to be competitive against those good teams? Yeah, I think for us this year, it's been the full quarter performance. Whether or not we've played a top eight side and had three really good quarters and let ourselves down late, or it's against a side that's towards the bottom of the ladder and we just can't put them away late or we let them kick three or four in a row during the third quarter or something. It, that's probably been our biggest downfall this year, not being able to play the strong four-quarter performance. Um, so we're, we're obviously looking at that sort of stuff and, and the coaches are trying to help us understand why we're doing those sort of things and, and momentum swings and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think we're on the right track. Um, we're doing plenty of training, plenty of meetings and things like that to try and get on top of, um, I guess, what we're doing wrong and, and how we're not 
either beating lesser teams by a lot more or, or beating some of the top eight teams. Um, so we're definitely putting things in place and um, I think we'll uh, be better, I guess, um, towards the end of the year and, and hopefully into finals we'll, uh, we'll have all those things fixed. Ryan, the fixture's obviously a weekly topic of conversation daily at the moment, that's probably fair to say. Now, I know you've packed for a reasonable stint on the road, you and your team. GWS next. What sort of, any sort of suspicion about where that game might be taking place? Well, I believe it's their home game, so if they're in the Gold Coast, I'm, I'm sure we'll be flying up there, whether or not it's another flying fly out or, or we stay or not. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I can tell you one thing, it's not going to be in Adelaide, um, unfortunately for us. Um, so we're going to either have to stay here or, or make another trip up, up north. How long are you, have you prepared in your mind to be, here, to be in Melbourne? Uh, yeah, you don't want to prepare for too long mentally because um, obviously you, you start missing home and, and, and things like that. So um, we're sort of taking it a week at a time at the moment because... With the lockdowns in, in Adelaide, as, as soon as they're out and, and the government allow us to go back to what we were doing, I guess we go back. So hopefully that's in a few days or a week or so and, um, and we can get back. But at the moment, I think the resilience of the group has been really good and, and we're just sort of copying it as it comes. Ryan, uh, great of you to join us on Crunch Time. Uh, really enjoying your footy at the moment. Good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Ryan Burton giving us the, the inside word for the Port Adelaide players at the moment, what they're enduring. PlayStation until they go back, Jared. Yes, yes. Pretty much. So he feels like they'll be flying to Gold Coast. As we sit here now, that, yeah. that can't happen unless can't. there's a Queensland sterile corridor about to materialise. Something has to change for that game to take place in Queensland. Otherwise, who knows where we go. Hopefully, as I say, we have some sort of indication about round 20 because uh, before round, nine, round 20 before we leave because there are probably four to five games that need some fixing yes, at the moment. Yes, some alteration. They can't be as they are. Uh, in the hockey at yes. the Olympics, Australia led Japan 2-0, then trailed 2-3. They now lead 4-3 with two minutes and 20 seconds to play. That's the men's hockey with Australia in action against the host nation right now. Our Hawthorne conversation next on Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, available at selected restaurants. For Red Rooster. Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. New Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Yeah, the, the, probably the mistake that Mitch and I made in hindsight um, in the haste of just trying to keep things all as normal as we possibly could, as we said, um, I, Mitch, I'll, I'll look after the day-to-day and, uh, and he said, yeah, well, I'll, I'll look after the future. And in, in theory at the time, it, it sounded pretty good. Um, but what it what it created was um, was a little was little silos in a sense that he was going to look after the future and I was going to look after the now. But there's just so much grey area between those silos that um, we've we've had to try to to meet all these talk around mediation. I, I meet with Mitch every day, but ideally I'd love our uh, I'd love our supporters, um, our members, and even the wider football community to applaud Sam Mitchell for the. Um, involvement that he's had at our club but in the game today he's been an iconic um hall of famer really he's going to be in the, um when he becomes eligible in the, in the not too distant future and um and here's another opportunity for him to make an enormous contribution to our game going forward and he's got my full support he's had it for 17 years despite what's been said over the last four weeks he's got it for the next or beyond the next 18 months really 
Alistair Clarkson wedding himself to Sam Mitchell in a 30-minute sermon yesterday after a week of intrigue and a week where the Hawthorne succession plan was put to the blowtorch in every imaginable way. Sam Mitchell describing it as a baptism of fire. It has been every bit of that. You're on crunch time. It's been the, the dominant topic of the week. Justin Leppage, how have you absorbed it? I've just loved the... Um, it's probably the different opinion, I think, um, from media angles, really. And what... Because almost in the media, we're thinking of different things. Carolyn Wilson came out and said that it's like she knows everything that's gone on in the meeting like she was there. And then you've got people that know other people um, that are in the club. Going, no, I'm hearing it's not that bad. My people I know say it's not that bad. But so it can become bigger and smaller depending on what people are hearing. I think it's almost a play on... Who, who are these people you're talking to and what's probably going on in Clubland? Because they're saying, if you believe Hawthorne, everything's fine. So that part's not an issue, but it's almost like we don't believe what they're saying. So that, that's the interesting take for me. And how long is this going to keep dragging on not believing Hawthorne, basically, mm. and then create the storm? That's going to be a big question for them and how long they can handle that for. I've found, from my perspective, and knowing nothing about the internal workings at the Hawks, but it's who do I listen to and who do I trust? Who do yeah. I think of all these different opinions that you've touched on, Lepper? Some really strong, some with a little bit more emotion attached to it, saying, no, our club wouldn't be like that. I heard Ben Dixon speak for five or so minutes last night passionately and strongly about the football club that he was involved in, the people that he knows. So it's, I'm trying to get a feel of who do I attach myself to? Yeah. You know, if I'm going to pick a side or, or an opinion going forward for however long this plays out, I'm trying to work out which alignment I'm with and what is the truth for me is in, in some regards as the general public observing a situation. I, I think Alistair Clarkson over the last 15, 17 odd years in this role has never been a smoke and mirrors sort of man. He, no. He'll tell you. And I just thought the way that he went yesterday – and, and, and I actually love that he admitted, you know what, we could have done that bit, of, you know, we could have handled that a little bit better from the very start. We thought we had a sound understanding about two particular roles, but it wasn't great. So I'm okay and I'm comfortable to sit here and say, hey, let it play out. We'll find out when they work through it. And this club's been exceptional for a long period of time about managing people, the football club, the system. So I'm okay where we currently sit. Let them do and trust them on their word as it currently stands until you feel like they've until you can prove that they've lied or haven't come out in all honesty. I think the hardest part for probably Hawthorne is to admit that, yeah, there is probably parts of this that isn't perfect, and Alistair did, but even the people in the background say, yeah, maybe maybe we were a bit hasty because Sam was got interest by Collingwood, so we expediated this very quickly, and this is the outcome. Wasn't on our plans, but something expediated the plans. But it's very difficult for a footy club to talk like that, and what do we do here in the media? Go, well, hang on a minute. If you did that, why didn't you do that? Or you know, And then they know the, the nitpicking is going to come with every move they made in the previous previous week and a half. So then they get on the defence, don't they, a lot, of the, a lot of the times, footy clubs. But because at the end of the day, I don't think many many of us as humans do anything perfectly, well, no matter what we do. I mean, every player that's retired all said, I wish I had another year, or the coach is an absolute mm. whatever. <laughs> but we all do it because we, we all think it wasn't done perfectly um, because we just don't want it to happen at the end of the day. So, yeah, so I, I think there's certain things Hawks just have to put their hands up and go, of course we could have done one, two or three better. And then the media go, yeah, right, let's leave it alone. It is what it is. I'll be interested to see if you can actually do this, though, mm. given the two personalities you've got. So Clarkson has settled what will happen. 
is the way that he tied his real life into oh. his football experience. He will be with Sam Mitchell through to the end of 2022, and then Sam will become the senior coach. And he said there will be tension, and there has been tension. He was mm. transparent enough to admit that. 17 years as a coach, I think he's re-signed now on six of those occasions, Jared. And it wasn't so much a press conference as it was a speech. It was a 13-minute sermon, as you described, that he went off on a few tangents, it must be said, some of them deeply personal as well, and from the heart, to highlight, as you say, his loyalty, he's wedded to Sam Mitchell, no problem whatsoever there. But I suppose the real issue, if we boil it all down and look at how the, this has transpired, it was reported that Sam Mitchell wanted him out for next year so he could have clear air as coach. Now, Sam denied that emphatically with you last week, Jared. We know that. But it was said that Sam made that um, feeling clear in the meeting. Did Clarko get that impression? He didn't say. And we waited to see if Clarko felt slighted over the process and indeed whether he was blindsided by the decision. Again, we didn't hear that because he didn't take questions. So can it really have been that carefully orchestrated, I suppose, if, if Sam Mitchell was part of the early process to be coach of Collingwood? It probably can't be, can it? It's, it's all come about pretty late. It's certainly been fast-tracked at a minimum. And how many people have, has that caught off guard? Yes, and this is where the, the power play and the politics that centres around Jeff Kennedy is very real. And from what we know, there was a barely a 20-minute conversation between Clarkson and Mitchell on the way into the announcement and the work has actually been done in the aftermath of it. Sam wanted it very clear in the timeline that he didn't take Clarkson's job above all else is that's what he spelt out. The decision was made and he was informed of the decision. He's and the therefore next step in the process. He and was then given he the tells choice. Collingwood, no, I'm, I'm out. Yep. Uh, he didn't... There's, the idea that he'd put himself into the Collingwood process is not right. It was the other way around. What about the role of the modern media mm. in it? So there's a, a couple of bits that I found jarring. That, that the, the caution that Sam needs to be careful what he says... Uh, that's not how I think our profession should operate. There's just a couple of layers in this which probably tells you the evolution of the modern football media. And I'm absolutely happy to sit here and say there are elements of it that I'm just not comfortable yeah. with and have never believed that's part of our role. I don't know what else to say to that other than it was eyebrow-raising at the least that someone would go that far. It's one thing to stick to your story and to double down, as we've heard, and, and maintain your faith in your sources, but to then jump another level above that and almost... Uh, it was a veiled threat. It was. Is if you continue to say this, to this will really blow up on you. Oh, gee. And he hasn't coached a senior game in his <laughs> life yet. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and, I, and I, I've been here as a journo before where you, you know you know that... I was there not long ago with Nathan Buckley yeah, where yeah. you know the truth and you get told a version publicly that you know not to be the case... But you've just got to bite your tongue, don't you, and just stick to your stick to your facts, stick to your sources, and and let it play out. So as it plays out, and you know, if if Clarkson and Mitchell successfully navigate next year together, and then there's the handover, then yep. the plan will have worked. Um, so it's a, it is it's a it's one of the more curious stories I've seen develop on a football front in many a year. Throughout the season, we'll be counting down the most unbelievable moments in footy history for Furphy Refreshing Ale. Unbelievable, and with Geelong and Richmond about to meet, Dusty Martin's place in the top ten of all time is very much assured. He'll blast it in long, see if they can get a hanger to finish it. Right to the goal square. Stanley Stewart brought it to ground. Martin tracks him. Martin's got it. He stood. He shoots. It's the stuff of legend. Don't tell me. Dustin Martin confirms his status at the top of the game. 
And one of the greats in finals history. <laughs> Debate all you like. It's four more goals in a grand final. And it's in the hands of Lee Matthews and Malcolm Blight to anoint him. To anoint him to the top of the mountain. Come join us, Dusty. Come join us. Three Norm Smiths for Dustin Martin. One of the great feats in footy history. Furphy, unbelievable moments. Refreshing. Furphy, refreshing ale. Unbelievable. In a moment, Sam Edmund will tell you the extent of the Pendlebury injury. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Western, Werribee and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They... The award-winning Crunch Time. Saturday of round 19 begins at Marble Stadium when Carlton and North Melbourne meet and then there's a, a flurry of games as it all unfolds. The Lions and the Suns, the Eagles and the Saints. The highlight is the Ds and the Dogs at the MCG. Top of the table clash and the Crows and the Hawks to meet across five games on crunch time for the Western Werribee Auto Group. Western Werribee and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. Jared Waitley, Justin Lepich, Nick Del Santo and Sam Edmund with you in Tokyo in the fourth quarter of the men's hockey encounter, Australia and Japan. The Aussies now lead at 5-3. They led early, they trailed in the middle and they've reasserted a two-goal lead. At the topics of the week, so we've been through the, the Hawthorne scenario, but just one additional point, Leper, that, that you wanted to make around the, the draw of Hawthorne over so many years and then once Clarkson's not there and once you're not a team in contention anymore, the, the lure of Hawthorne has, um, will, will disappear quickly. Well, whether it will disappear, but it'll be a challenge for them because one thing that this footy, and Lee Matthews is to say it, perception's more important than reality a lot of the times in this game. Is Alistair Clarkson actually the best coach? We talk like he's, you know, it's like the 100-metre final, Jerry. You love it. But what is the distance that the person wins the 100-metre sprint by? But once you do the, the media endorsements after the game, someone's making $100 million and the other guy's making three cents. The gap And the gap is so small. But perception part of this is that people always wanted to go and work for Alistair Clarkson. It was like, it'd be great to work for Clarko. And he's got a great history of bringing through coaches that have become coaches. And then that falls to the playing group as well. I'd love to play under Clarko. He's a successful guy. So what they're going to lose is that. Do the, does the next great coach coming out think, oh, I'd love to work with Sam Mitchell? Does the next free agent come out and think, oh, geez, I'd really love to, to work at Hawthorne and work with Sam Mitchell? They don't have that. They may have that he might be a great coach, but that's one thing you lose also when you lose this. So that's, a, that's just another watch for them. It doesn't mean anything or it may mean something in the long term. It might mean getting a player. It might mean getting a coach you want. It just, you just come back to the pack a little bit. In that, I found that at Brisbane Coaching Brisbane, mm. I went, I coached there in a pretty stinky time of the footy club. And when you got that sort of that, not saying Hawthorne stinky, but you got that stench about, it's very hard to attract the best talent. And off the back of that, and it's a brilliant point that you've made, and not many people have, have looked at it like that. But also the history with Clarkson has been the ability to bring in injured players, players that careers were seen to be over, yep. and then bring them to this football club, rehab them, and then ultimately go on and have brilliant careers. And I mean, Burgoyne's the, clearly the example of that. But there's been so many other guys that have done similar things. Whether that can translate to our medical team is still perceived to be the best in the competition. You can still have a career once you come to our footy club. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty about coaching is the fact it's not just your game plan and you're implementing it. It's things like that. Is can I make um, Jago Amira, a highly injured player, into something really good at our mm. footy club? Um, Tom Scully is a great example. You know, he, he, he was career over type stuff in the media anyway. That, that, and he was able to go, well, we'll just get the max. We'll do a deal that we don't have to cost as much as a pick. We might have to pay him at the end, but all works out. So they're the sorts of skill sets you need as a coach as well, not just the X's and O's. We're gearing up for a big day of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. The COVID scenario that uh, has a grip of the country and, and thus football's place in that. So... We're going to sit through empty stands in Melbourne right throughout the weekend. In Adelaide, they wouldn't even allow a game in front of an empty stand, which was a curiosity. The capacity to get to Queensland is absolutely compromised for the moment. And to play in Perth, you have to go through the hard quarantine, which St Kilda is working through at the moment. And Richmond will be the next to uh, to revolve through. The, the, the slightly broader picture before we come back to the narrow and see what round 20 might look like. So what will the progress of fans back to the footy be should Victoria successfully get through lockdown? And during the week, Sam, the, the footy experience, which was pretty modified anyway, is going to be changed yet again to get anybody back to the footy this season. Yeah, more hurdles for people to overcome who might have already found the couch and the open fire and the glass of red wine just impossible to resist with everything we're dealing with at the moment, Jared. So... You're right, the MCG, Marvel Stadium, in our part of the world, the key stadiums here and, and GMHBA as well are formulating new COVID-safe plans to uh, satisfy government and health authorities in light of the fact that we now have open-air transmission. That's been proven at our door stadia. So this crosses a final frontier in many regards to to how COVID, um, I guess, spreads around the community. So uh, what we've had, we won't have again. There's going to be more hurdles now. There's talk of masks at all times, um, uh, potentially no food and beverage where, where people can congregate, where you can get various pinch points in stadiums. Staggered entries, which have been discussed um, right throughout the last two years, might come into play here as well. And that's even before we get to, um, you know, vaccine passports and proof of negative tests and the like, like we're seeing overseas at the moment in everything from, um, you know, Major League Baseball to the NBA to um, to the Euros, everything at the moment. Wembley Stadium went through it all as well. So the viewing experience, at least in the short term here, until we can get a, a, a large percentage of the community uh, vaccinated, is going to be very, very different indeed. If it even comes to pass this year, it must be said, because it is still an if in Victoria. Can you just r- remind us, and I'm not saying that it'll necessarily go through the same order, but when we were at zero crowds last year in Victoria... What was the initial percentage that were allowed back into the stadium once the crowds were accepted? Did we start at about 20? I think we started... The general framework was 25%, 50%, and there was approval this year, given we never got there, for 80%, 85%, which we we didn't get to. And um, and we've seen uh, various parts of the country, it's been different again. So clearly now, with it being proven that that COVID can sadly um, be spread from one person to another, they're not even sitting in the same bay, some of them not even in the same tiers when it came to Amy Park and and the MCG, that that's a real concern for health authorities. So we had got back to 75%. With a cap of forty thousand before the transmission, just happened. most recently, yep. So it is. There's a bit of um, j- just just reading the play from conservative health authorities in this state. It, it is very hard to imagine a grand final in front of more than forty thousand people in Melbourne, given the the pattern of behaviour and then how it's complicated yet further. 
So that yesterday, the holding position of the AFL from Gil McLaughlin is the MCG, quite rightly, yep. with a decent crowd. That that crowd is, and I've been told here by the people who make these, 60,000 is deemed to be roughly the acceptable figure that would keep a grand final at the MCG. Gee, how far away are we from 60,000 yeah. at the moment? Albeit things can change quickly, but... The clock is ticking on this, too. Yes. It has to be. So if it was 60,000, I don't think Melbourne meets that. Not not by the last Saturday in September, judging on patterns of behaviour and previous trends. Mm. Unless the government to hold the grand final held sway a little bit over the, over the health department. Well, that would take an about-face, given what we've seen with the Grand Prix, the MotoGP, they've lost them again. The Australian Open has to be in big trouble as well. They've had no hesitation in cancelling those events. And I know they're different logistically, personnel-wise, international travel and the like. They are very different. But clearly they'll pull the trigger, Jared. And, and yeah, what, what potential uh, headbutting will there be for a state government up against the health department who don't want to lose another major event because our major events landscape here is under siege at the moment. And there's only one alternative is Queensland's a no. Their, their government is recalcitrant and can't send any teams there at the moment. South Australia is a no. They wouldn't even allow a game in front of nobody They're this out. weekend. They've been so the only alternate is Western Australia. And it's, I find it very easy to see the grand final mm. at that magnificent Optus Stadium. And I must admit, I sit here now and go, it would be selfish to hold it in front of 40,000 at the MCG when there is that capability. Ancillary question that will come place down the track, of course, but putting the cart before the horse for amusement's sake. Do you see that magnificent spectacle at Optus Stadium taking place in a twilight or evening setting, Jared? In a twilight setting and in prime time on the East, on the East Coast. Coast. That, yep. that stadium at night is a thing of beauty. Twilight it, it is a delightful stadium. So twilight at 4.30? 4.30 local time, 6.30 on the East Coast, maybe somewhere like that, 4.45. So when we do get crowds back again, we won't see them all packed into one pocket then? Is that the, the concept that you think will happen? I is, think is that, that was the other mis- thing. Has that been a mistake then by the clubs to do that or has it just been a bit late on the uptake to the, say, geez, you should have separated them a bit more if we're going to give you 8,000 people? What, what's sort of the... The term were, uh, that I was given was uh, a greater spacing when it comes yeah. to spectators at the football, yeah, because we have seen some um, eyebrow-raising uh, seating scenarios, mm. particularly most recently at GMHBA Stadium when they had the approval for seven to 8,000 and people sat them all on the far wing uh, right up against each other. There's a cost with all these things as well, of it course, cost, in terms yeah. of manning the gates and, and what, what part of the grounds they're willing to open up. But, um, yeah, that's been uh, a bugbear for some people as well. It's been a hard one to deny. I think the fr- bugbear is the fact that every different state, depending on how many numbers you have, have all have a different set of rules. Yeah. And, and I think that's... I guess I think I didn't know that as our country. I, I thought our prime minister actually had big pull in mm. our country. I thought he was our biggest man in this country. And it turns out it's not the case. It's actually... It's actually the kids. It's actually the ones running around trying to one-up each other um, in the schoolyard. And, and that's what it is. And it's, I think it's a little bit embarrassing for our country, to be, to be honest. The fact that, you know, we all sit around and have different sets of rules for different places. And, and, and we as the, the people, I can't understand why all seven states can't get together and decide something. It's, mm. it's, it's a bit frustrating for everyone in the entertainment industry, really. Well, imagine being Travis Alden dealing with yeah, poor, six, yeah, different him, six different governments, six yeah, different sets of COVID rules. Yeah. You've got a tier structure here, you haven't got a tier structure here, and the board closures on top of it all. I just think it makes us look a bit unorganised as a country. A little bit silly as a country too at times. But anyway, that's 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 bigger than me and that's for other people to worry about. But I'd love for us to all get on the same page and have the same rules, at least make it easier for as much as the public as possible. Unless there's seven different health authorities that think seven different things. Is that is that what's happening? 
Because they only listen to the health authorities. The constitutions are really interesting piece around the. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm going states. too deep into this. Yeah, some dark places in the park there. <laughs> Saturday morning, Harry Mackay's not playing this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. I know a couple What's of former extra? attorneys general from various states who listen to this program. Oh, okay. they, they might be able to send you some really rational. Oh, that'd be nice. I'd love some rational. I'd love that. Send it to me. Um, could you see a whole final series in somewhere like Perth? But could you though? Because one venue. Would it, would, it, would it be logistically feasible? I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? You yeah, could space you, them all out over the... Thursday night, Friday like night, Saturday night, Sunday. Lightning carnival on uh, steroids, wouldn't it? Yeah. So you could do it. Mm. And that's why the, the idea that prevailed early in the week around just take a pause and reset, is that's a luxury that actually doesn't suit the AFL no. at all because they, need, they might need that pre-finals by to be able to reorganise everybody, re- even yeah. if they're not all in the one place. Well, the broadcast dollar as well has never been as important as it is right now given we can't get the attendances we, we would like and the, and the revenue streams need to stay open. So we're ploughing on, no doubt about it, until it's impossible. And it might be at some point. I mean, knock on wood here, because round 20 at the moment, Jared, as we say, there's a few uh, matchups that jump off the page that are going to need some open-heart surgery. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we get some resolution with that in the not-too-distant future as well. So Essendon and Sydney can meet because they're both That's in Marvel. Queensland. Yep. Um, North and oh, they're Geelong. In, they're in Queensland, yep. yep. They're scheduled for Marvel. It'll be up there on a Friday night, I think. North and Geelong, are, who knows whether they can play in Hobart, but it doesn't matter because they can both play in Melbourne. Yep. The Suns in Melbourne can't happen at the Gabba without a sterile corridor, at Metricon without a sterile corridor. Correct. And that's not in place at the moment. St Kilda and Carlton can meet. Yes. The Bulldogs in Adelaide can meet because the Crows are in Victoria. Might be in Ballarat even. Hawthorne and Brisbane can't meet because the Lions can't come here and then return as matters stand. Correct. Correct. GWS Port Adelaide can't happen in Queensland. Well, Ryan Burton seemed to think there was a chance they could fly in and out, but at the moment that is impossible. And then you've got Collingwood and West Coast here in Victoria can't happen at the moment either because the Eagles would get here, but they wouldn't be allowed to get back. And then you've got Fremantle and Richmond, which is uh, already going to happen because the Tigers are going to be over there in time. So the question that has to be answered before tomorrow is if you play, if you bring the Eagles and the Dockers forward for expedience sake, then you don't put Richmond on the plane after tomorrow's yep. game. So there are decisions that have to be really made in the next 24 hours as to who goes where and how they get played. Um in in all of this, so the Swans are, are a fascinating case study. So players are in isolation from both the Giants and the Swans, as we know, in the lead-up to a game. And then their whole high-performance unit is out of action. Mm-hmm. They're, they're away from the players. So what did John Longmire say? He's relying on his diploma in phys ed to <laughs> get out there to run the program. How uh, it, It's a really interesting study on two fronts, is how much compromise has to be absorbed, and the answer is a lot. And then what does it look like inside a program if, you, if you're not able to run your high-performance stuff? Oh, God, you, you, we've spoken about all the things we've had to do to evolve in just, you know, one minute go somewhere and then change plans. This is all different. This, mm. is, this is now you're actually you're losing skill sets within your team. You're losing a physio, the ability to treat. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that, actually, Dale, for a bit of fun. <laughs> Crack a few backs and have a bit of fun with the boys. But I don't think they'd like that too much. So I, I think it's one thing to to lose some people, but there's certain people that are yeah. irreplaceable. It's like a medical a doctor. You cannot just replace a doctor. Um, they, you, I just can't come up and start injecting somebody. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah, so it's a, real, it's a real challenge for them more than anyone, I think. Uh, that is a big challenge. So the, the first part is the on-field demands that those people have in roles. So everything from the phys ed is about how we prepare for games, yeah. what are you doing during a training session. Now, the players, and you'd like to think a group like the Sydney Swans and the Giants, 
that they're mature enough and have enough guys that have played enough footy say, hey, I can take the warm-up today. I can make sure for the next 20 minutes we are completely ready to train. That's such a small facet of it. It's more the conditioning, the ongoing maintenance and awareness of how individuals are tracking. Because a lot of these young guys, as much as there's a group collective, the young guys aren't aware of their body as much as some of the senior players would be. But when you talk about medicos and you're spot on lip, medicos are irreplaceable. And it's more than just say, hey, I can give you a diagnosis. I can. It's the history of that person. It's yeah. understanding and having a relationship about how their body feels and how they react to certain treatments and how they don't. You know, that's as, as much a thing as anything. And that is the big part. And we spoke to Adam Simpson. I know he's had some more comments this week, a couple of weeks ago on this program, and he spoke about the medical staff and how we are will and have lost really good people with a lot of good history and reputations in this industry. Yeah, as you said, certain people are replaceable, um, certain are not. But one the worry for me in the long term is the injury toll. Mm. Uh, I think short term anyone's replaceable, um, get away with it for a week or two. But long term, if you don't have the best people doing the best job, things aren't going to go as well. Adam Simpson joined us last night on AFL Nation. Two, uh, he wanted to tidy up the analogy that he had used around uh, the Eagles going safe at the draft and choosing the same type of player. It was in a conversation around uh, the coaches and the medicos, so the, the lack of resources that develop players who come from differing or challenging circumstances, depending on how you want to frame it. Uh, his analogy got taken literally, and uh, he straight up apologised for that, owned it as as a mistake. So there was the there's the specific, and then there's the broader, which is not to be lost. But the the specific was um, was to um, to quell a backlash, which which certainly had built in Western Australia. Yeah, and it's about uh, I guess what he's saying is a lack of welfare resources at clubs as we go forward. Now the soft cap's been slashed by three million dollars. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though, Jared. This isn't the first time he's gone down this path, but it's the first time there's been blowback. So has he been quite this frank with his commentary on this particular subject in the past, or has he been consistent all the way through and just only now through a quirk? As he had to apologise for it. Yeah, that, well, it's the latter. Uh, it, he did an interview with me about six weeks ago where he used the, the same analogy. And it just wasn't... And it didn't get any outside traction, so it didn't get picked up. So the analogy he was using um, had been in the public domain on a couple of occasions. Even when it comes Tuesday to night. the parents of draftees yeah. being yep. still married yep. and together, he said, yep. 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 And it was to illustrate a broader point rather than to be literally yeah. interpreted. But once it was literally interpreted, um, it, it was uncomfortable for, for him. And it also he wasn't using it, this will be our policy. He was going, well, this is... I think is we the, all understand. We all un- we well, understand. Well, I would say we all understood, except I would look at what happened in the aftermath and say, well, that was, that was sidestepped. I think there's always two ways. When anyone's got a complaint of, of anything, really, you can... Listen to it, embrace it, dissect it, see what, what needs to be had and respect the decision, or you can just completely dismiss it. And I think the problem with, with this particular one is whenever, you, say, Adam went a step too far in his eyes to say, you know, we won't be drafting anyone but private school people, now people only hear that. They, they're missing the point of this whole thing, which is about he wants to provide more support around people. It isn't about him isolating those that have only, and they're only going to now be old West Coast that only, you know, get the, you know, 
the guys that are in really affluent areas are not, you know, taking any other person. It's not that at all. It's the people that support those that haven't had the perfect upbringing. And there's a lot of us that haven't had the perfect upbringing that have had to learn on the run a little bit more. They haven't had the two parents at home sitting down doing homework with and teaching them life rules. They've come into to the world a little bit later and they're learning their life as an 18 year old in front of the world and people watching them making their mistakes and we've seen history of uh, Brendan Favola we watched grow in front of our eyes as a young boy who made a lot of mistakes to a man now and you see him he's, he's on radio all the time he's actually quite an established person but there was a lot of things to get through that and there's a lot of boys that come into our competition that are like that and they're the people Adam means you want to put the resources around them you want to have the funds to be able to do that so that's the point of it and I've lived it so don't miss the point of the whole thing it was Adam Simpson with us last night. Yeah, look, mate, it's, um, unfortunately, um, yeah, it was taken out of context. It was a really poor analogy on reflection. And, of course, we're not going to do that. But it was probably taken as literal and we've offended some people, or I have, so we need to own that and use a better analogy. I mean, um, yeah, that's... Yeah, so I got it wrong and I just need to own it. So, um, yeah, unfortunately... Uh, that's the circumstance, and um, you know, that's the where it sits. Well, I released a statement before regarding, um, you know, just where uh, where the club sits, and obviously doesn't sit in that that, that past um, at all, and never never has, never will. So um, they've been pretty supportive to me. They know where I was coming from, and like I said, it was a it was a poor analogy that um, you know, I regret using. So I mean, we've hopefully we've dealt with it, and people understand that's not. The message I was trying to portray, and that's not who I am, and definitely that's not what the club represents. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's where it's at. Adam was using sarcasm as it, uh, which is in modern <laughs> life, sarcasm is a dangerous thing. Um, the soft cap overall, Sam. Yeah. What? So just in in around this sort of conversation, but just departing sort of a little bit from it, the AFL Coaches Association, Jared, they're going to push for a mandatory leave period for the coaching fraternity once their respective club season is finished. So as we said, the soft cap slashed by $3 million we know. So everything we hear is that it will be a minimal soft cap increase on paper, if anything, even though there might be grants for welfare and such, it seems, going forward. So there's two chapters uh, for this, if you like. There's the money side of it and there's the the, the time put in at the coalface side of it as well. So I've had a chat to Alistair Nickerson, who's obviously the, the head of the AFL-CA. He said it's something they're definitely looking at and he said it's about sustainability for the coaching profession. It'll ramp up more post-season with a more coordinated position, but talks are already underway with the AFLs and some clubs around it because at the moment there is no mechanism. I mean, one coach might get four weeks off, another one might get six. There's no consistency at the moment with leave. There's no guidelines. So these guys are at the whim of, a, a I guess, a football department boss, footy operations boss, or in some cases it's even ended up in the uh, HR departments of clubs as well. So because there's the same demands, and I know Lep has been on about this for a while, the same demands, same games, same amount of players to service but the time off is at the discretion of um a club at the moment and the aflc i want that to be a uniform mandatory leave period where they're not contacted for a set period of time is that practical leper yeah i think so it has to be one or the other you change the money all the time and, and i think i think the coaches would be happy with if it was the time i think we all respect and understand it's difficult times and it's going to be hard for the soft cap, whilst we all would just love it completely gone, to be all have free reign to spend the money how we'd like and develop how we like, it's just not the 
the way of the world at the moment. So we respect that. But again, you're right, because the AFLW is coming in a little bit closer. So there's the other risk of going, Jared, I know you're doing the back line at the moment, but oh, the AFLW needs someone to help out, you know, on Thursday nights throwing the ball in or whatever it is. So you end up with just this, eventually this workload that just keeps expediating. So it's probably a smart thing to sort of draw the lines on what's acceptable and not now that there's two, three significant competitions, the reserves, the seniors and now... Uh, the AFLW, not even just getting the VFLW, that's that's in there as well. And do you have the Scott Pendlebury news? There is a fracture, unfortunately, to Scott Pendlebury's fibula, Jared. So, unfortunately for him, he's got a break or a crack in that lower leg after he was caught awkwardly here at Marvel Stadium last night, a tackle during the first quarter against Port Adelaide. So, you would assume that that sadly would be season over for uh, the Collingwood veteran, a break or a crack to that uh, fibula bone. So, he's right. Yes, well, his diagnosis was right. He was on the money. Maybe uh, Pendles can work for the Swans. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Take him up there. Well, well he's struggling he's at the moment. He's played 335 games, Scott Pendlebury. The man knows it's his a, body. It's a lot of... Yeah, exactly the point. There's a, and he's had the injury you mentioned a couple of times previously. You know what, but worst-case scenario, he was wrong. I mean, I actually don't mind a player coming and going, you know what, I felt this, I felt oh, it before, uh, I reckon it's that. We're all for transparency. Yeah, okay, yeah, I like that. So, and, all good. We wish him all the very best, but as I said off the top, it's not the end of the world for where the pies are at this year anyway. And not for the first time, a relatively innocuous incident, though, wasn't it? They all seemed from to behind. Be. Yeah. yeah, just your leg gets caught at an awkward angle and the force that goes through it is too much. Has he bought out his rehab program yet? Or is that still waiting? Pendles. <laughs> Don't know. No, just... oh. He's across it. He's across... He knows what to do. <laughs> right, okay. He's new, always planning for life after football, Epa, maybe. Oh, okay. And uh, that was all for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventures take you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. Uh, Australia did win the hockey 5-3 over Japan. The road race is underway. Sam, there's a German cyclist who tested positive to COVID this morning. So they're all ready to go hooked out of the race. Yeah. That's Simon Gesker, of course, who uh, rode the Tour de France and has been on the world scene for a long period of time. But good to see Luke Durbridge, the Aussie, up at the front there, flying the flag for uh, for our boys. And Richie Port, of course, uh, third in the Tour de France last year. He's our uh, protected rider for a br- brutal day in the saddle, this one, Jared. Nearly 5,000 metres of climbing, 250 kilometres uh, around Mount Fuji there in uh, Japan. And um, this will be a war of attrition, this one. Jeez, i tell you what, you'd be shattered if that was a false positive, wasn't it? You'd be oh. to ride and then the next day you find it, oh, Sorry, it's one of those false yeah. positives. That'd, that'd tear you apart. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? So, uh, yeah, and he's not on his own, it must be said, either. A couple of athletes, unfortunately, have had some positive cases. Coming up next on Crunch Time, Carlton's coach David Teague is going to join us as the Blues prepare to face the Kangaroos. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And Sam for Red Rooster, of course. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's Call. The award-winning Crunch Time. Jared Waitley, Justin Lepage, Nick Del Santo and Sam Edmund with you on Crunch Time. We are at Marvel where Carlton is going to look to keep its final chances alive against North Melbourne this afternoon with nobody in attendance. David Teague, the Blues coach, is with us. Uh, David, great to have you on the program. Uh, It's a pleasure. What happened to Harry Mackay? Our whole game was built around Ben versus Harry. Yeah, it's uh, it's a reoccurring theme. This one, uh, I think everyone's looking forward to it, and I think Harry is too. But uh, 
No, we, he, I think everyone saw he hurt himself last week and uh, we thought he'd be right and got to Thursday and they said, oh, we'll, we'll need to leave it to Saturday to do a test. But on yesterday, we uh, he, he hadn't shown the improvement we needed, so uh, we ruled him out yesterday. So what is the exact nature of it, David? Yeah, it's uh, it's to do with a joint down in his, uh, I think it's his, more his toe area between his foot and his toe. So it's a joint injury, I think. Yeah, that- it's a great <laughs> shame to the spectacle. Um, I'm just curious. Were you um, were you looking forward to it? Were you looking forward to seeing the, the brothers go at it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think it's great. Um, oh, I think uh, both the boys were pretty excited. Well, I, don't, I can't speak for Ben, but I know Harry was looking forward. He was looking forward to it last year. It was quite a strange story last year. Harry went to train. COVID results hadn't come back, so he uh, he had to go train by himself uh, back at the hotel. And ended up hurting his knee and missed the next couple. So he was meant to play last year. This week, uh, during the week, they said, yeah, you should be right, you should be right. Got to Thursday and uh, recovery, just uh, the swelling hadn't gone down the way we thought it would have. So, uh, yeah, there's been a bit of drama around it. But it would have been exciting to see those two go out and, and play on with Taron out. It was, it was definitely going to happen. Some people convinced Leopard that they're actually the same person. Have they actually been seen <laughs> in the same room together? <laughs> Oh, don't know about that. <laughs> Tiggy, um, one thing I'm really uh, interested in and loved the last month in your team is the improvement of your defence. Um, you know, it's, it's simplistically going from 92 points again to 67 in a month. It's a, a great trend. What What are some of the things that you guys have been doing to work hard at that and, and to get the result? Yeah, it's been a focus for a while. It was probably early in the season. Um, we thought we we thought we'd uh, trained it well over preseason, and uh, in the first couple of practice games, it looked all right. And then uh, I, I don't know if we got spooked by the stand rule, but we started to fold back and play a bit more one on one than we'd planned. So um, we've spent a fair bit of time working on it, and uh, I think over the last four to five weeks, we've seen the results. I wouldn't say anything. Um, particulars happened in the last four or five weeks that we weren't doing earlier. I think we're just more on the same page. The players are, are, are connecting between the lines. That's the thing we're really noticing, the mids and the boards and, and the backs. The three lines are connecting together in, in, in team defence, which is allows us to not only uh, defend better, but probably saves a bit of energy so we can attack a bit harder. Tiggy, you used some, some great words there in regards to like, the connection. I think the Blues supporters have been waiting for that. D- did you know that this... And not that you're playing the most brilliant football, but you've, you, I think you've improved particularly over the back half of this year. Did you know it was eventually going to come? It just took a little bit time for the, a bit of time for this group to play more football, to have that connection. You speak about defensively, but also offensively. I think the movement of your forward line has highlighted a better understanding, a better energy. Do you, have you had that feeling, just been waiting to see it? Oh, yeah. We, we, we have a lot of belief in this playing group. Uh, in terms of the connection, our, our team defence connection has probably really grown. Our, our ability to move the ball and score has probably dropped away a little bit um, in that aspect. But um, one of the challenges we've had is just getting that cohesion. We've added a few new players from a couple other clubs and then even just the players out there. We haven't had that continuity of the same guys playing week in, week out, whether it's in areas of the ground or whether it's across the whole field. So um, I've got no doubt when we get that, and, and I think our back six are really showing that now. There hasn't been too much change for the last six weeks in our in our back six, I, I think Zach Williams missed a game, Liam Jones might have missed a game, but the rest of the time they've played together. And I think that's probably where that, that real defence, team defence is set up, the, their voice from behind the ball and their ability to own dangerous space to allow the mids and forwards to, to bite off a bit more. I think, um, yeah, I think that connection and cohesion, the ability to play together is really helping us. 
And David, what about the other end of the ground, the front half? Obviously, with Harry unfortunately not being there, um, Mitch McGovern not available, Charlie Kerno not quite ready. I imagine it's presented you with a, a fair old challenge to um, find some chemistry in the front half. Would we be right to assume that Paddy Cripps would, would spend even more time forward today? Yeah, look, he's been spending a little bit of time there, but yeah, you're right. Um, Matthew Kennedy is another player that's played as a, a key forward for us in the past, not so much this year, but in the past, and he uh, he marks the ball well and competes well. So um, we're not we'd love him to be able to mark the ball. We probably need to lower our eyes going in there. And Jack Martin's probably another player that we feel can give us an aerial presence as well. But as long as those guys are getting it to ground and not getting in, um, intercept mark, that's that's probably the uh, key. And then we need to make sure we're really good and strong and clean on the ground level, whether it's winning the ball or hitting the scoreboard, or we're locking it in our front half. And I know you'd be probably sick of this because it's a daily, uh, weekly question concerning Charlie Kernow, but his availability, is there a scenario that plays out whereby he would play at AFL level next week, all things being equal? Uh, potentially, yeah, potentially. I wouldn't say yes um, at this stage. Um, he, he was always definitely going to play the first two weeks in the VFL, and then from now on it will depend on loads and form and there's lots of different factors that are weighing up. What we won't do is rough him. So um, he was uh, champion at the bit this week. It's uh, 200. Um, he was telling me he could play uh, play this week. So he thinks he's ready to go. But we want to make sure that um, not only he's uh, physically capable, he also needs to be informed to uh, to play a role for the team because the team's playing some good footy at the moment. Tiggy, you touched on just some of your imports, Assad's, Newman, Williams, and the time it does take for them to sort of, you know, cohesively get involved in the in the Carlton jumper. But it's a couple of players, I think, that have probably, we're a bit unsure about, and Paddy Dow, Matty Kennedy, where were their careers at? It's good to see them playing some good footy. Has their role changed? Have they, again, just found their spot in the team and feeling comfortable? Because their form has increased in the, over the course of the season as well. Yeah, role hasn't changed too much. We've always seen um, Paddy as, as a midfielder. He's probably getting more opportunities, um, particularly at centre bounce at the moment than he, he may have in the past. Um, Ed Kerno stepped out of there. So it's giving some guys a little bit more opportunity. But in terms of their role and the craft areas they've been working on, that hasn't changed too much. But you're right, in terms of not only coming from another club, but even when you're at one club, that belonging, you, you know you might belong to the club, but belonging to that group and being able to go out there and perform, it's, it's a powerful... It's a powerful uh, tool to allow you to be your best. And I think what we're seeing now is Paddy Dow feeling like he belongs at this level in this team and, um, and Matthew Kennedy similar. Well, Tiggy, a man that's belonged to the football club for a long time. He's got a huge milestone today, and it's Ed Kerno. And watching him and playing against him, the style of person that he is, what does he mean for the football club and the example that he's set for such a long time for this young group? Yeah, oh, he's a great. He's um, someone that uh, I know the teammates love. He's a different character. He's himself, which I think is um, one of the things everyone loves about him uh, more than anything. He, he rocks up to weights in Blundstones and he skateboards around. He probably does some things you, you wouldn't want a young player to do, but um, Ed's been doing it for a long time. But he's a three-time um, club person. I think the other day I said twice, but he's a three-time club person as well. So that just shows who he is. He cares about others. Um, not only from a football point of view, from a broader club and community point of view. And um, nah, the, we, we, we sat down yesterday and, and the boys shared some words and, and the care, the love, the trust, honesty, um, integrity and being genuine. Like they're the words the players shared about him. And I think they'll spot on. That's, that's who he is. And um, he's a competitor. He'll give mm-hmm. his absolute all. And um, he was saying on the weekend he, he got kicked out of Adelaide. When he was at Adelaide, he got asked not to train because he was bringing the level down too much. So they asked him not to train. He had to go back to Glenelg. And now he's playing his 200th game at, at an AFL level. 
Um, I, I think it's just a it's a really good story, but it's a story that's come from a lot of hard work. And mm. uh, I know his family, the club are proud. His family, we were really proud. And um, more than anything, he's, he's a beautiful person, so it's so good to see. You touch on his footwear. It actually caught my eyes. He's walking out to do his warm-up in full Carlton kit and full training kit. And he had a pair of old Blundstones on. They, they, they weren't even the new type, Tiggy, where he's just got them out of the packet. They had been worn and worked in for a period of time. He, he must be different. Yeah, he is. And um, now, to be honest, I think more of if you were to see him more often than not, he'd be, uh, he'd be in his Blundstones. So I'm not sure if Puma are looking at making a uh, <laughs> boot that would, uh, would, suit, uh, would suit Ed. But, um, yeah, no, nah, he's, he's him. Um, he wins worse worst kid or worst dress at the club every year and I think he he, uh, he takes that with a, uh, a real pride and honour that he's, uh, I think he's reigning I think he's won that as many times as Glenn Archer used to win the most courageous. That's terrific Just as we finish uh, David, are you being kept up to speed on the, the progress of the external review? Is it in its final stages? Oh, it's still going at the moment, I'm not sure of the timeline of it, so um, no, it's, it's still going and um, Oh, I really look forward to the results and um, what comes out of it and the findings and the learning so that we can grow as a football club. Have you had a, a second interview in that process? Uh, we're not going to give a running commentary, Jared, on it, so cool. we'll just cool. uh, the interview's still occurring. Good on you. Good luck for this afternoon. Thanks for your time. No, not a problem at all. Good on you. David Teague, the Carlton coach, with us there. Uh, it takes all kinds at a footy club, yeah. Del. You, you love them all, and <laughs> he is unique. But I think Tiggy hit the nail on the head. What you want from a teammate is someone that cares and belongs to something, is prepared to push the group, but ultimately for two hours every weekend gives their heart, their soul, and is the ultimate competitor. And, and Kerno has been that for a long period of time. When they're going well, when they're going poor, you know what yeah. you're going to get from That's brewing in a teammate. And I think he's just told Fox Footy he's playing forward today, Jerry. So <laughs> perhaps a, a, uh, a defensive uh, forward assignment. And also, Jared used to bring Blundstones to footy. He used to knock his stops in before he played. <laughs> that, that wasn't that long ago, was it, Jared? Um, Teague's position, the results that are falling yeah. his way. So three out of four, they, they are, they've got mathematical possibility back the last refuge of the desperate. But if they win again today, they build the case. How difficult is he making it uh, for them not to continue with him during this phase? I'm, I'm trying to look for reasons why he wouldn't be there more than reasons for the other. I mean, let's be honest, they, they've, they've proven in the last month that they've fixtures opened up a little bit. I've heard David always say that we're, you know, they, they perform really well against good teams and losing by not huge margins, and we were all wanting better results, which is fair enough. But when the fixture has opened up, they have actually put the results on the board. And here's another game where the fixtures open up for them, so they should get the results. So I think they're proving that they are a team that are just outside the eight. And what you've got to ask yourself then, well, would another coach got us to fifth this year, sixth this year? That's the question they've got to ask. And if it's not, continue on. Or if it is, you just say, well, maybe we just spend some time with David, put some more support around him, and then we get to there. So there's some other options as well as just to keep changing coaches all the time. He's had a good month, Jared. Do you think we'll get any more clarity on David Teague as the coach or whether this internal review will get any more information? So they've got the Kangas today, then they roll into St Kilda. Suns, Port Adelaide and the Giants is their remaining month of football. Is there any scenario in that that would persuade whether more and more comments know he's our man and we're going to support him or the flip side, I'm still not sure. Let's see what's out there. I don't know the answer to that, mm. to be honest. It's, it's always been a curiosity. It's a really interesting time to put yourself in the hands of an external group rather than controlling it yourself. I never believed that this was Teague's year of judgment. That, yep. That's been my position the whole way through. And 
Is that it, next year? Uh, probably. Mm. Yeah, probably. So I, I think it would be. Um, I think I, I've said I think it would be a cowardly decision to remove him now. Yep. But if you run the external review and it comes back and says these are the reason why he's not your guy, then are you wedded to that? And equally, if it comes back and says no, he's going to build this, uh, send this to fruition. Do, do you have three freelancers make that decision for you? So I'm not a really big believer mm. in that. I, I think I think you should run your footy club yourself, and you should actually have the wherewithal to be able to find the answers and not put yourself in other people's hands. So, so you think having – so let's say the three or four people there now that are ex-football experienced that are judging David and his team at the moment, or you've got a board that does it that hasn't have any football experience, maybe a lot of professional experience and also business experience, but footy – who would you rather be assessed by if you had the option of the two? A, a group that aren't there but a football experience or the group that are there that have very limited football experience? Yeah, I think I would rather be assessed by Brendan Gale and Brian Cook and those who, who absolutely yeah. fully understand the intricacies yeah. of the club – um, and that's not to say I think they'll get some really great information yeah. out of an external, but I, I think you, I think you should keep your those decisions which um, they dictate the future of your footy club and the direction. I think you should own those yourself. But Luke, Sa- it, it is external by definition. But Luke says at least as the incoming president, someone who's been on the board for a long time, is chairing that review. So it's a, it's a, a little bit each way at least. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how it's ultimately presented and whether it comes with the, oh, by the way, we're we're continuing with David Teague. Like, is there an announcement around it? It's just a weird scenario. And the fact that Clarkson is now categorically off the table for next year, uh, that that was the only circumstance in which I could have seen Carlton move, is if they could get Clarkson, and that would have been a complete contradiction to their own process anyway. There is... That, that is, there's zero possibility of that in 2022. So my default mm-hmm. position remains. This is not David Teague's year of reckoning and he absolutely should be continuing on. But they did that with Dennis Pagan. They did that yep. with Mick. Yep. Ten years, probably ten years in, opposite each other. Ten years later, were they going to make the same as, not a mistake, but it doesn't yeah. mean just because you get a Clarko, it's going to fix it either. Yeah. And there have been two, there are evidently two groups within Carlton. One is that let's not do this again. Mm. This is, our history is littered with this moment in time and making what is ultimately the wrong decision. And those who are going, oh, we have to get the right guy for the now. We have assembled a group that should be ready to contend and is behind. So that they've got the the competing interests internally as well. So there's a, there's a power struggle in all of that as to whose thinking holds sway. Uh, for Bet Deluxe, download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Let's get the update with Paul Sebastiani. Paul, welcome. Good afternoon, Jared. How are you? I'm well. It's a loaded day of footy. How, how's it going to unfold? It is indeed, yeah. Carlton, uh, they've just drifted out in the market now with sort of Harry Mackay being announced as an out uh, yesterday. They were $1.45, now out to $1.47. Still your favourites to beat North Melbourne, North Firm, two eighty into $2.42. The Q clash as well from 10 past three. The Lions $1.19. Gold Coast $4.78. West Coast $1.41 to defeat St Kilda at $2.94. And a big game tonight, first v second. Melbourne, the slight favourites to defeat the Doggies, $1.86 with betdeluxe.com.au and the Bulldogs at the $1.96 outsiders. So probably the big goal of the day is probably for North Melbourne with Harry Mackay being out. 
Well, that, that that would put the cat amongst the pigeons. Paul, thank you. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. We will turn our attention toward these games today and particularly toward Melbourne and the Bulldogs before we finish up on crunch time. For the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships, they stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. The award-winning crunch time. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Who needs a rev up for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne. Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. So our Harley Heaven rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. I feel like this is Alex Rance. Oh, yeah. As he heads into the VFL to play for Essendon. Yeah, well, he said he's just up there and he just happened to be, you know. Comebacks on, Leopard. Give us the exclusive. He doesn't think so. (laughs) He's a bit, he's thinking, I can't believe all the media attention this is getting. So honestly, why is he doing it? He's just helping out his mate. Just filling in my my story. But he does, he won't help, he won't be able to help himself. He'll be running around, yelling at people. Okay, so what happens if... Okay, he's just going in to help out Ben yeah. Rutten. They've got some injuries and a shortage of players at VFL level. Let's say he goes out there and he has a whale of I know he played for Seymour, but this is another level. He has a whale of a time. He enjoys it and he gets bitten by the bug. Is that possible? Anything's possible, but uh, I'd, I'd say unlikely. He's uh, got not the impossible, itch. but unlikely. It, it's, it's very, it's, it's about as much chance as all our state <laughs> prisoners <laughs> from coming together and getting one code plan. Is he? How old is he? What are you, 35? No, he's not that old, is he? Yeah, he'd be 35. He'd be five. I just wonder whether he'd be still capable if he did put on a bit of a performance. How many is clubs it? could knock? If there was a possibility, how many clubs could knock and say, hey, we wouldn't mind someone oh, like that? Well, definitely Geelong. <laughs> He's 31, he's 31 years of age. Oh, he's got he's five good left in him. Uh, he's got a car. I'm trying, trying to look after him. <laughs> don't think he wants to come back. No. Um, the vaccination issue, Sam, so we've been talking about it through crowds during the week, but what yeah. about on a plane front? Well, it's going to become a factor for the players. Obviously, it hasn't been on the agenda for the here and now because of our access to the vaccine from a wider um, public point of view. But Gillian McLaughlin put it on the agenda on AW uh, yesterday saying that a working party has been formulated to educate the playing group on it. Now, some club doctors, the way I see it is there's a window during the off-season where this has to happen for players who would want to have it happen, and that's another issue altogether. But some club doctors don't want to give in during the, given during the season, given it could affect training, uh, players might be a reaction, you know, people do get uh, crook from their second jabs and the like. So they want it to be done during the off-season. So there's a window there to do it. The AFL Players Association's position is it's one for the off-season as well, given it doesn't affect, you know, the ability of the game to get through this season. It doesn't get you across borders and all the rest of it. So... And then there's the players who would have a choice as to whether they get the vaccine or not. So what happens with the players who perhaps don't want to get it done and the players that do want to get it done? And it is a slippery slope because, as we saw last year, the AFL did have to apologise to the Indigenous players given um, the pneumococcal vaccination sort of kerfuffle with the Queensland government that it was said it was a Queensland government directive. They said, no, it's not. It turned out to be an AFL directive. So the league just doing everything they could at that point in time to get the game into Queensland. So... It'll be a sensitive one, Jared, and one I think all roads lead to the off-season on. 
As we wrap crunch time up, there is a chance to give us a call on the open line, one 736 736 for Southern Phone. Switch to Southern Phone. Simplify your life with Southern Phone mobile plans. All that is on the table. Justin Lepich will be here to take your calls. Next, Dal, as you leave us tonight, the D's and the Dogs. What's oh, at stake in your mind? Enthralling, enthralling game because we know these two teams are right there come September. I'm going to tip the D's will be my initial answer to that, but I still think there's so much to learn about both teams and particularly the defence and the structure of how they're going to set up. Can they get their forward half set up? And it's a little bit like that for the back half of the Western Bulldogs. We've got two contrasting styles of where they feel really stable. How do they come together? And we speak about having a good run into finals. You need to have these games. Win, lose or draw, you need to keep learning in the last month of football. As you touched on Leper, really important time. We might delve a little bit further as we open the lines. one 736 736 Dale, great to have you here. Have a great weekend of football. Sam, stay on the beat. Go well, See Dex. if anything lands for round 20 and ping it through as our afternoon unfolds. Definitely will do that. So crunch time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough. We'll settle in and turn our attention to the games of the day. It begins with Carlton and North Melbourne. Mark Murphy is the medical sub for the Blues. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.